0: Five, four, three, two, one,
1: lift off. We have a liftoff. Here we go.
2: It's game time.
1: Quality base here. The Eagle
2: has landed. Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, Alberta. Here's your host, Dean Millard. That's one
3: small step for man, one giant leap
2: for man. Nice
0: to be in orbit. Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, depending on when you are listening to this. Thanks so much for doing so. Welcome to Sports & More. My name is Dean Millard, and we're going to have a lot of fun in the next however long it uh, takes us to get through this show. Uh, The basis for this show is it's sports and more, and almost anything goes. We'll try to stay away from politics. We try to stay away from religion. Everything else Pretty much up for grabs. Uh, there will be a lot of uh, sports talk on this program if you are new to it, uh, but uh, I appreciate you checking it out and uh, joining the journey that we are on here in the podcast alley. Here's a couple of ways you can get in touch with me or the show if you have any suggestions, questions, comments, or if you want to get involved in uh, some way. It's at Duck Millard on Twitter. On Instagram, you can get us at Sports and More Podcast and on facebook our page is at @sports and more 35 you can always send us an email at sports and more at gmail.com. i will not give you my address where you can send me an a uh, letter because this is my uh, home office that i'm uh, home studio that i'm going out of here in uh, it's called the marsh uh, in podcast alley uh, you can also check out deanmillard.ca. Uh, if you're into a uh, different kind of podcast we have a bunch of them there i'll let you know a little bit about that as we go, here's what's on the uh, program today. Key Flaming from the Pipeline Show. Good friend of mine. We used to host the show together. He's now taking it onto bigger and better things in the podcast form. So he's going to drop by and we're going to recap the National Hockey League draft. And what about that draft? There were uh, trades of P.K. Subban for two prospects and two second round picks. Uh, this is why it's good to have cap space near the draft. Looking at you, Edmonton Oilers. According to Cat Friendly, the Oilers have $8.3 million with nine forwards, eight defensemen, and a goalie under contract. So they don't need some defensemen, and they uh, need to obviously add some forwards. But, you know, wouldn't you be like, oh, man, can we add a, a, a P.K. Subban to our roster? No, we don't have the cap space. But a team like New Jersey, man, oh, man, uh, they get Jack Hughes and P.K. Subban in the same weekend to go with Nico Heischer and Taylor Hall, and goes probably a long way in trying to convince Taylor Hall to re-sign. So we'll talk about... The NHL draft today, uh, the NBA draft seems like it's all about the traits, as opposed to the NHL draft where there were a few ripples. The Subban one was the biggest one, and Patrick Marlowe going to the uh, Hurricanes. And 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 that's another thing Oiler fans need to take note of. Uh, Tyler Remchuk pointed it out on Twitter. He's, uh, he's from TSN 1260. He said, like, this is take note, Oilers fans. The Leafs had to give a conditional first-round pick to get somebody to take Patrick Marlowe. If you're looking at Milan Lucic, that's the kind of price you are probably going to have to pay. And as Tyler Uremchuk pointed out, Lucic is on a worse contract, and Patrick Marleau is a more effective player right now. So there was not a lot of trades, whereas the NBA, that seems that's all the rage. And the NBA is all about Canada right now as well. RJ Barrett went third overall a record six players from the great white north were selected also the most for any country outside of the united states france had five players taken 3 years ago so this is you look at the off seasons of the big four you know major league baseball just came through one of the worst free agents periods uh and dullest of all time in that sport football has a lot of moving parts obviously you know antonio brown uh, this year, uh, it's it's football has a lot of its excitement. The NBA, there's stuff going on all the time. Are you kidding me? Like blockbuster trades, signings, all this stuff. And then there's hockey. Uh, you know, hockey and baseball could compete for the dullest free agency period. And uh, you know, I I, I would say maybe hockey would be even better than than what baseball was last year. I anticipate there will be some. You know, teams are going to overpay for sure. Uh, in free agency, and that's it happens probably a little bit more. It seemed there was a little bit of collusion, I would think, in Major League Baseball this year with some of the players and not getting signed. So uh, hopefully hockey gets better as the, what do you call it, the tampering, uh, illegal tampering period is uh, uh, upon us, and guys are allowed to visit. Uh, Tyler Myers was apparently out in Vancouver. Uh, Artemi Panarin in Colorado. Yeah, a McKinnon, Panarin, Rantanen line would be pretty awesome. And I think Panarin and goalie Bob, Sergey Bobrovsky, will both be visiting Florida. Uh, so lots of uh, moving parts going on right now. And, of course, July 1st is a free agency, and hopefully there's some excitement. Speaking of uh, excitement, the opposite of that today for Canadian hockey fan, or, uh, soccer fans, as uh, Canada loses to Sweden at the Women's World Cup 1-0. So the fifth-ranked Canadians are out in the round of 16. The ninth-round Swedes will move on to face uh, Germany. I believe it's Germany. And there was a second-half penalty kick that is reminding a ton of people about what happened in the Nagano Olympics in 1998, where Mark Crawford did not use Wayne Gretzky in the shootout To me, when Mark Crawford did not use Wayne Gretzky, single biggest coaching mistake of all time. I'm biased, but it's the greatest player in the world for that sport. Not used. Uh, Pete Carroll, not uh, running the ball comes to mind, but Christine Sinclair wasn't chosen to take the penalty kick today. However, here's where it gets interesting. So everybody was talking about Wayne Gretzky and how it was Mark Crawford that didn't use Gretzky in the shootout. Canadian coach Kenneth Heiner-Moller says he thinks the players decided it. He said there's a group of, uh, I think he said three to four players that usually take the penalty kicks, and they decided to to not go with uh, Christine Sinclair for whatever reason. But man, oh man, what, uh, like just put the best player on that situation to do the job. Crawford should have went with Gretzky. There would have been no questions. Pete Carroll runs the ball and they get stopped. There's still not many questions. Christine Sinclair, greatest Canadian soccer player and one of the greatest soccer players ever in the world. Give her the ball. you imagine if Michael Jordan wasn't chosen to take a shot at the most important time? That's, you you give the, or Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will Smith, give it to Will. It's ridiculous to not put one of the greatest players of all time on the line with the game. on the li- Now, it, it was a huge momentum shift for Sweden as they protected their 1-0 lead. So I, I could not believe that Christine Sinclair was not chosen. And so was the internet and Twitter and all kinds of social media. So this will be something that will be discussed for uh, quite some time. Also tonight, a uh, fun uh, new segment that we're going to do. Jamie Thomas, my good friend. He works for Jets TV, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, we lived together uh, uh, once here in Edmonton. We've kind of followed each other and to city to city and things like that, and the one thing we have in common is fantasy sports. I'm in a, a fantasy football league, fantasy hockey league, and a fantasy baseball league with him, and I might try to convince him to get into fantasy ba- uh, basketball as well. We'll see. And the other thing we have in common is we both suck at it right now. So this is why I'm telling you, you should listen to us for fantasy advice. Don't do what we say to do because just do the George Costanza, uh, go with the opposite of your instincts. But anyway, we're going to have some fun with uh, fantasy fun time. Uh, Jamie has had more success than me in fantasy uh, sports, but he's also been a commissioner. Now, I was a commissioner last year for the all-nighters fantasy football league, which was uh, with uh, TSN 1260. Uh, When they canceled my show, I canceled the football league. Uh, But Jamie is a commissioner in a whole bunch of leagues. And in one year, I felt his pain. And he's been doing it for years as a commissioner. So we'll get a... uh, He's got a really funny uh, commissioner story today about guys that don't pay on time. And, okay, before we get to our Myron French question of the day, I'm not sure if you are a... uh, It's always sunny in Philadelphia fan, but a sunny in Philadelphia dream came true last week on Chase Sutley Retirement Night Mac, played by uh, Rob McAnally, and uh, Dee, played by Caitlin Olsen, were on hand, behind home plate, to watch the game. But before the game, they were watching uh, Mac's hero, Chase Utley. And if you know that show, that was his dream, to play catch with Chase Utley. So he was able to catch the first pitch thrown out, and of course, Philly fans loved it. Uh, I haven't seen the whole series. It's always in sunny Philadelphia. Connor Halley, who was my uh, producer on the uh, pregame show and on uh, Sports Night for, uh, for quite a while, he loved it. He would tell me about it all the time. So, and, and I trust he got me into Sons of Anarchy. So I trust his judgment. And every time I watch an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I'm like, why did I not? Why am I not watching this more? But you get busy and things like that. So, all right. So before we get onto the uh, meat of the show, just want to let you know about uh, Podcast Alley, which you can find at DeanMillard.ca. If you love podcasts, that's the place for you. We have this, uh, Sports & More. We also have the Prospects Baseball Show, which uh, covers the local team here in Edmonton, as well as Major League Baseball. We had Matt Stairs on last week. That was a great conversation. And the Cannabis 101 Podcast, which is an educational podcast about the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada. You can find it all at deanmillard.ca. Hmm.
2: What's on my mind today? (laughs) I don't know. You want answers? I don't know what the hell he wants. Let's get
0: into things. Let's get real.
2: This is the Myron French question of the day.
0: I'll read you loud and clear. 10-4. The Myron French question of the day is an interesting one, and I think the one that Myron French would be proud of. If you don't know who Myron French is, then you obviously didn't go to school at Crocus Plains High School in Brandon, Manitoba in the uh, 90s and 80s because he was a professor or a a teacher and he taught the uh, subject of law. I took a law class. Uh, Me and my friend Jeff took this law class and he would start out every class with the question of the day. A lot of it had to do with what we were studying. Some of it was about life. And uh, I think he would like this one. This is a and this this when I thought about this one I'm like, "Okay, this is going to be fun." And uh, you know, could get uh really opinionated because the myron french question of the day, who is the goat when it comes to music? Artist or band? Solo artist or band? The greatest of all time when it comes to music. I'm going with the Beatles. And yes, I'm a big fan of the Beatles, but when you look at the worldwide famous band or artist on the planet, it's them. It's the Beatles, even today. Well, thanks to to Sir Paul McCartney pounding out more concerts and a great album, his uh, Egypt Station is awesome. But it's also how they evolved. You know, they they went from, you listen to the early stuff and it's a lot of little uh, doo-wop love songs almost and then they evolve into... Uh, Magical Mystery Tour and Sergeant Pepper's and the Experiment and, you know, Life Happens. And they influenced so many. Of course, listen, I'm not oblivious to the influence that the, Beetle, the guys that the Beatles were influenced by. And we'll get to some of that in some of the reaction that came in on Twitter. But it was the Beatles, particularly when they showed up to North America, that just changed things. Uh, the most number one hits. Uh, and I know stats aren't everything, but they count for something. So for me, the Beatles are the greatest of all time. And I threw it out on uh, social media, on Twitter, at Duck Millard. You can uh, check out some of the responses, but uh, we'll go through some of them. And, uh, you know, some of them might be serious, some of them not. Uh, Kiss gets a mention from Riding and Rockin'. And uh, I I would disagree. Um, I think Kiss was uh, uh, an influential band, but... uh, not certainly to me, in my opinion, to the to the degree of the Be- Be- Beatles, uh, the Beebs getting a vote from Kelly Jacobson. I think that's uh, uh pretty funny, and you know this is where it gets Corey uh, Meyer, Corey the Butcher, uh, Acme Butcher Shop, uh beautiful, beautiful food out of there. Throws I gotta say the Rolling Stones have to have that title, so I think that's cool. Uh, the Rolling Stones were definitely an influential band, and this is the great thing: it's an opinion that. Um, if you think it was the Beatles or I think it was the Beatles and you think it's the Stones then that's beautiful, um, you know, but there was a guy that, uh, threw out there that definitely not the Beatles. So listen, if you can have an opinion, but if you think the Beatles aren't even in the conversation, then I don't even want to be near you uh, for music knowledge or your opinion because that's just flat out silly. You, you might not like the Beatles and that's fine, but to not acknowledge that they would be even be in the conversation is ridiculous and absurd and it's not uh, worth my time. Like, listen, I'm not a big Martin Breder fan, but it would be like me saying Martin Breder is not in the conversation of the greatest goalie of all time. Cause he has to be in that conversation. I don't think he is, but he has to be in the conversation. Uh, but I would never say he's not in that conversation. So they're, 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 everybody's entitled to their opinion. And that's one thing I always like to stress. Um, but some opinions, in my opinion, are ludicrous. And that's one. Uh, Metallica getting a vote, and uh, I almost threw up in my mouth when I heard that. Uncle Neil, uh, Neil Young, I would say, listen, I'm a massive Neil Young fan, but nowhere near uh, the greatest of all time. This is good. Uh, It's an impossible question for me, but I'd have to say the Beatles are the best all-time band. Michael Jackson was the best entertainer that ever lived, though, but I'm not sure that's the same thing, and that's from G. A. Coin. Yeah, I think Elvis might be up there as for, uh, one of the greatest entertainers of all time, but Michael Jackson certainly was. And I would not be, I would not argue with somebody who put Michael Jackson in the conversation to the greatest of all time, because he was a massive influence in, uh, you know, a different decade. Um, this says you can't compare the stones and Miles Davis and Michael Jackson and Joni Mitchell. Um, but you can, and uh, we are, so that's Okay. League Minimum, uh, at Ralph Kruger Oil says, watch the new movie yesterday. It quickly ends the debate. I can't wait for that. It comes out on uh, June 28th. The premise is a guy somehow wakes up, I guess, and he's in a world where nobody knows who the Beatles are, but him and, uh, plays the songs and everybody's blown away. And I'm sure he gets very famous, but it looks like a really, really cool movie. Uh, Michael Jackson getting another vote, ACDC getting a vote, which I would strongly disagree with, but that's Okay. Um, if that's the way you think, then, then that's, uh, I, I don't think they're uh, the greatest of all time by any means. Um, I'm not sure they're close to the conversation for me, but some, for some people certainly it is. Uh, Bruce says it's indisputably the Beatles, whether we like it or not, nobody, not even Zeppelin can come close to the Beatles success and overall cultural impact. I think that spells it out really Really well, uh, Warren Rooks says Elvis and Michael Jackson in one in that order. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Brian Wilson getting a vote. Um, my own buddy Warren Woods at Woodsy CJME says has to be for the Beatles. Uh, they started it all. So I think there's a uh, really, really cool, um, bands out there. I think there's just some amazing, amazing bands. Like this says uh, Pink Floyd is the goat for bands and Michael Jackson for solo artists. And that comes from uh, Allman's Room. And I love Pink Floyd. I really do. I think they had a big impact on uh, music, especially in, in the you know 70s. But I don't think they're the greatest of all time. But they are a pretty influential band. You know, a lot of votes for, uh, one vote for Oasis, which is, I just think uh, they're trying to sound like the Beatles. Um, Prince gets a vote. You have to have Prince in the conversation of the greatest of all time. David Bowie, Mozart getting a vote. Like there's a, there's a lot of different opinions out there. And that is the beautiful thing. Uh, Dallas Ross Hicks, uh, good Brandon boy voting for Rush. And I know he's a big Rush fan. Uh, the who getting some votes and massive. They were, they were really big. That British invasion, uh, with the who, and, and then you get to Led Zeppelin and, you know, somebody voting for Nirvana, and I was a massive Nirvana fan as well. So uh, you can keep sending your thoughts in on this conversation. You can either email them or uh, tweet at us, at DuckMillard or SportsAndMorePod at gmail.com. But I think that's, m- music is a little bit different. You can look at numbers in sports and, you know, definitively say that, you know, when Wayne Gretzky was uh, at his heyday, he was easily the greatest of all time, and then he has the numbers to back it up. Um, do you go by number one hits or uh, records? I don't know what you'd choose for your metric, uh, your statistic that you'd want to use in music. Um, I just think overall culture and the biggest impact uh, of anything at any time and still to this day is the Beatles. Three, two, one, and lift off.
3: Let's go! Time for your top.
0: Three. off and the clock has started. Roger, zero G
2: and I feel fine. Beautiful, beautiful.
0: On to our top three draft storylines today on Sports and More. So we look back to the NHL draft and what I think were the uh, top three storylines. My honorable mention goes to uh, Gary Bettman. Uh, this guy gets booed all the time, everywhere he goes. Um, you know, even in, uh, he, I'm sure he gets booed. Actually, I don't know for a fact if he gets booed in places like Florida where the Panthers play, but they should be cheering him because he keeps that team there when I don't think there should be two teams in Florida, but that's for another show. But this guy gets booed everywhere. So at the draft on Friday night in Vancouver, he's being booed as he comes up to the podium to start the draft. And then what does he do? He basically puts the fans in the palm of his hands by bringing out the Sedins, and everybody goes and cheers. So finally, Gary Bettman uh, found a reason to get cheered at the NHL draft, so that's my uh, honorable mention. By the way, the Sedins, 20 years ago, second and third, and um, Guy Flaming, we'll, we'll get his uh, top three storylines from the draft when he joins us later, but uh, we had Brian Burke. On the pipeline show, he was then the uh, GM of the Leafs and I bet you it was the 10 year anniversary. It was 2009 where we were looking back at that trade or anyway, it was, it was one draft. We were, we had Brian Burke on as we approached the draft and we got him to tell us the story about how he ended up with the Sedines. It's awesome. You can find it at thepipelineshow.com in their archive section. But uh, there was a lot of swearing apparently between Brian Burke and Rick Dudley at the time. So Brian, uh, Gary Bettman uh, finding a way to get cheered is my honorable mention. Uh, The third best story I found is Dustin Wolf. He was a Flames 7th round pick. He was the 4th last pick of the whole draft. This is a guy who grew up in California. His mom said she would go to San Jose Shark games when she was pregnant. He would kick the whole time during the game and then stop after the game. So she figured he was destined to be drafted, and then he became a goaltender. And why was he taken so late? In Everett of the WHL, where he played this year, he led them to 47 wins. He started 61 of 68 games, which led the league. Goals against average, 169 also led the league. 945 save percentage, you guessed it, tops in the WHL. So why was he taken so late? likely because he's 6 feet and 165 pounds. And listen, I know the Rage is big, tall goaltenders, and the numbers back it up that short goaltenders don't uh, have a lot of success. But for him to almost go through the whole draft without getting taken with those numbers last year is, I think, almost ridiculous. But it's a cool story about uh, going to Shark Games when she was pregnant. Number two for me, Alex Newhook, taken by the Avs in the first round. And his buddy was so pumped up. Uh, there was pictures on Twitter of all of his friends that were in attendance and uh, back home lined up wearing one of his jerseys from his hockey life so far. So, like, uh, you know, a national team jersey, a minor hawker jersey, things like that. I thought that was so cool to have some of your best friends around you in one of the most uh, important. And coolest moments, Uh, I wouldn't say the most important, because there's lots of guys that get undrafted that go on to great things, and the draft is just one step. But one of the coolest moments, I'll say, in a uh, hockey player's career, uh, hearing his name called, particularly in the first round. So I thought that was awesome that uh, all his buddies were around for that moment. And number one, the Devils. They get Hughes and pay very little for P.K. Subban. Devils fans have to be so pumped. Like, can you imagine what uh, Putty is feeling like right now? After the Devils went and uh, you know got PK Subban for very little, it is a uh, a big cap hit. But they have 25 million dollars in cap space. If Hall stays past this year, you'll have Heesher, Hall Hughes Subban, plus some of the pieces that they already have. And as mentioned, going into free agency right now, uh, you know 25 million dollars in cap space, according to Cap Friendly. So uh, for me, it's uh, Dustin Wolf three, Alex Newhook two. The Devils won, and the Honorable Mention to Gary Bettman not getting booed in Vancouver.
2: The Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Got nothing to
0: Very happy to welcome to the show Guy Flaming, the host and founder of The Pipeline Show, which you can hear uh, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. And of course, uh, a good friend of mine and a guy that I started that show with. Uh, and it's interesting, we met each other doing a show on radio and then uh, different circumstances uh, <laughs> let us, uh, uh, in in my case, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out, uh, uh, <laughs> I just, but uh We're now in the podcast universe and uh, it's interesting how time flies way back when, when we started that show to where we are now.
3: It is. And uh, it's good that even though radio didn't work out in the long run for either one of us, that we get to keep doing what we like to do. Yeah. So that's, it's a good thing.
0: That's what I looked at with starting uh, these podcasts that I do is that I get to combine a passion of broadcasting and. Yeah really what the hell else have I ever done in my life aside from <laughs> doing papers and pumping gas, which I don't, you know, I don't really want to go back to. So, mm-hmm. uh, this is something we can do. And, you know, it's interesting with podcasting. It's, it's such a wide open universe right now. I was just at uh, pod summit in Calgary and the, I think the, uh, and I, I've had more than a few people say that they think this is kind of where the, you know, a lot of the broadcasting industry is going is, uh, and, and you would notice it, uh, you know, people, when they listen to a podcast, they are specifically downloading and listening to your podcast as opposed to, you know, offense, but in and out of the car, getting groceries, running the kids around when they hit subscribe or they hit download. They're doing it for a purpose.
3: Yep. They want to hear your stuff. They want to hear you. And it's not just what's background noise in the car while you're driving. Absolutely.
0: All right. And we wanted you here because we want to hear what you think of the NHL draft. Of course, uh, this is one of the big four majors uh, for you, as we used to refer to the draft, the World Juniors. The Frozen Four, Frozen Memorial four Cup. and Memorial Cup, and the, NHL the draft, uh, yeah, the the uh, big four for the pipeline show. So this is you know kind of the the year end, right? This yeah. is the the culmination of the ch- the championship major, if you will. And you know there's certain drafts where you look at it and you're like, this guy's going here, this guy's going here, this guy's going here, and then I'm not sure. Um, Where did the draft get muddy for you? The first two picks seemed automatic. It was yeah. uh, Kirby Dack at number three where that straight line went awry?
3: Yeah, and, and I guess. I mean you probably had a group, definitely the first two and then you probably had a group of about eight or nine guys who were expected to go in that next eight or nine spots, but kind of interchanged uh, the, the order within there because a lot of people, I don't up until the day of the draft, I don't think anybody was talking about Kirby Doc as the number three guy. maybe number four, number five, number six, but not number three. It was supposed to be either Alex Turcott or, or Bowen Byram. Uh, but then the news came out the, the day of the draft that it looked like Chicago was leaning that way. And then it kind of put every, a new spin on on what the first round was going to look like. And then there were some surprises that came.
0: Was it, do you think, a draft for need as opposed to best player available for Chicago? or?
3: That, and that's an interesting question because, well, they had drafted a lot of defensemen in the last two or three years. So there was that talk. But how many times did we talk about it, Dean, that... You don't draft for need. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. These guys aren't supposed to be helping you for two or unless three unless you years. are
0: drafting first overall, right? And it's like uh, Tavares, Headman, and both of these guys yeah. are going to, you know, step in and be studs right away. You right. know that.
3: Yeah. So I'm not saying Chicago is making a mistake by any by any means because Kirby Doc's a nice player, um, but if, uh, if quite honestly, I think Bowen Byram has the longer impact, the higher impact, you know, five, ten years from now. Um, but they're both pretty good players.
0: So after Dak, um, was the what was the next surprise? Whether it's a player taken early or maybe a player that wasn't.
3: Well, the the next surprise for sure was at six with Detroit with uh, Moritz Seider, who I like Moritz Seider, and I uh, haven't. Again, I'm uh, not a scout. I have to remind everyone, not a scout. I talked to a lot of scouts and players and coaches and, and media and GMs and all the players that uh, or all the people that are covering and around those players but I don't get to see more insider. I've had him on the show and spoke with him, really good personality, but I liked a lot about what I was hearing about him. I didn't hear at all that he could be a top six guy, more in the, the around 12 or something like that. So I was surprised when when he was taken, uh, and that was probably the biggest surprise of, of round one for me.
0: Is it in the Thomas Hickey scale?
3: Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good comparison. I'm trying to think Hickey was more of a, like a, 12 10 to 15 kind mm. of guy expectations and he went 4 to LA yeah, that Yeah, 4 that year. So yeah, it it would be similar to that, but I, I like more insider. It wasn't uh, it wasn't it was just earlier than I expected.
0: Who were you surprised was still there when their name got called in the first round?
3: Uh well, uh, Zegris, uh, Thomas Zegris or Trevor Zegris rather. Um with the Oilers passing on him, I think that was a a bit of a surprise there. And, um, well, Cole Caulfield mm-hmm. went all the way, what, to 15 for Montreal and, and, uh, Peyton Krebs uh, 17th to Las Vegas. I mean, this is a guy who's been dominant against his age group his entire life. Um, so I was a bit surprised by that.
0: All right. Uh, we're chatting with Guy Flaming from the Pipeline Show. You can check it out at thepipelineshow.com. You can follow Guy on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy and it's impossible on the monday after the draft to say these are definitive winners and these are definitive losers and yeah. i and i think think doing that is is a little bit foolish on the monday after the draft but people do it and and whatever i'm not going to ask you that i'm just going to ask you Three teams you liked their overall draft, and maybe um, uh, three teams that you were in like you said you're not a scout, but maybe you yeah. didn't you, you didn't like the overall work.
3: Well, Colorado is in a good position with with two first round picks. So if you're them coming out of this uh, with uh, Bowen Byram, who for me was the the top defenseman in the draft, and as well as Alex Newhook, who's you know a very fleet of foot, offensive minded uh, forward going to Boston College. Uh, I think you're pretty darn happy with that haul. And whatever happens after that, okay, you're getting two pretty good Mm -hmm. guys. So uh, I think uh, uh, the Colorado Avalanche did really well. It's funny because I talked to, it must've been about 75 of the draft eligible players this year. And the day of, and the days after the draft, I was tweeting out those interviews to the respective fan base of whichever team drafted those guys. It seemed like Chicago, Detroit, those teams must've been three or four of the guys I had on the show. So you know, when the question is who did well, it's like, well, these teams, I know those players, so that feels like a good draft to me. But again, like you said, I'm not a scout, so I can't really assess whether it was a successful pick or not. But um, it seemed, it feels like Chicago and Detroit drafted a lot of guys that were priorities of mine to get on the show.
0: Okay, so if, by the way, if you want to, if you're a fan of a particular team and you want to find out about their uh, draft pick, particularly their their first or second rounders or there are two first rounders. Guy will have yeah. a lot of that in the uh, archive at the thepipelineshow.com uh, or you mm-hmm. want to go back and listen to the time I had to leave the studio uh, because we were <laughs> laughing so hard. Uh, uh, you could listen to that one or that Rob Shrimp interview that you posted a while ago. And I just had Rob on my podcast and yeah. we, it was a more of an in-depth interview. But that time I remember the weirdest thing that was before texting it was message board like the height of HF, uh-huh. and we kept p- people kept getting angry because we weren't doing. We were going to post it later oh, and later weird. and later. That was funny. It was a really fun night. That was one of the uh, the more fun evenings that we had.
3: Was that the night he was eating ribs, or was that the no, night that, he was that, at the bowling? That, bowling
0: that <laughs> was the night. It was the night. <laughs> was the night right after Mac T had kind of ripped him, saying That's like right. he's not all this in a bag of chips or something like that. Um, okay, so I want to ask the top three storylines, <laughs> not not particularly the best. <laughs> picks or whatever I'll just kind of give you what I went with uh earlier in the show for my uh, top three storylines and number my honorable mention is uh that uh you know Gary Bettman gets booed all the time Mm -hmm. and he silenced the boos by bringing out the Sedins who were drafted 20 years ago and remember we had Brian Burke on that's another great archived interview you should check out at thepipelineshow.com the anatomy of that draft and how who was it? Uh, was it Rick Dudley that he was Rick swearing Dudley. at? Yeah. And so anyway, how that draft came. But my my honorable mention was Batman silences the crowd because he always gets booed. Three was Dustin Wolf. What a crazy story! His mm. mom talking about she would go to Sharks games when she was pregnant. He would kick the whole time during the game, and then when they stopped playing, he would stop kicking. So she's like, "This kid is destined to be funny. Uh, a draft pick," and he goes so late after great numbers. Um, Alex Newhook, you just mentioned him. I Mm -hmm. love the picture of the the kid, his buddy, getting so excited with the jersey on when he got drafted. And then there's a great picture of all his buddies that were at the draft wearing a different Alex Newhook jersey during his career. So I thought that was a good story. And for me, the devil's getting Jack Hughes and... Paying very little for PK Suban yeah. is crazy. So those are the kind of the things I was looking at as far as storylines. Are there three kind of storylines that stand out for you?
3: Well, the lack of trades in the first round, again, we seems like the build up every year. It it's almost like it's become made for TV. We gotta sell the draft. Let's say we gotta pump up all these potential trades. It's like, you know That's what, it's what like? it seems
0: like. It's like a punked episode on everybody.
3: Yeah. Like everybody
0: is getting punked because there's not gonna be that many trades. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so then when nothing really happens, Philly made the one trade uh, move back three or four spots. Yeah, with... do you think Arizona had to move up for that? No, nah, not really. But I think with with Cider going and then Broberg, maybe they're getting a little uh, you know anxious about because well, they we, don't know, right? We yeah. wanted this defenseman. What if somebody else takes him? Um, but uh, the the amount of trades on day two was interesting to me. There were no almost no trades on day one, and then a ton of trades through the second round, which was uh, that's kind of neat. Obviously, a lot of teams saying, well, we really like that guy. We're willing to move a second, a later second, and another pick to and move sec- up 10 or 15 spots.
0: Second round picks always seems like always seem to me like hot commodities. It's like it's the perfect throw-in. Like, oh, we if we can get a second for this guy, or if we can give up a second and get that guy or get that pick. The second round yeah. pick, obviously, the first round pick has all the cachet, but the sure. second round pick... Um, it just seems so like it's involved in so many different trades. Yep. Guys are willing to deal that, even though it's a a high pick still, and and you can get some really good players.
3: Yeah, and uh, for me, this I thought it was a good year for goaltenders this year, and 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 uh, I thought you know the first twenty or so players were were significant, and then I thought there was a bit of a soft sort of plateau. And then some guys you could swing for the fence for more at the end of the second round and into the third. And a lot of those were goaltenders. Um, I wouldn't have been opposed to trading a, a late first round pick to get a second and a third or something like that. It was that kind of year for me.
0: Okay. So the Oilers, um, they're two days. Let's look at that specifically. Obviously we're in uh, oil country here and Philip Rolberg. He seemed to be the consensus pick, did he not? Like, uh, it, it seemed like everybody was talking about this being the guy they mm-hmm. were going to take at eighth uh, going into this, and then at some point, they'll have an all-Swedish six with Larson, Klefbaum, <laughs> Broberg, Legason Persson, and and Evan Bouchard will apply for Swedish citizenship just so he can fit in. But uh, they seem to be liking the Swedes. What do you like about uh, Philip Roberg specifically?
3: Well, what I like about him is he skates so well. He's, you saw him at the Holinka, right? Saw him at the Hlinka and he had a highlight reel goal where he picked up the puck the side of his own net and went all the way down the ice, deked everybody out. I think they were playing Slovakia or something like that uh, and made a nice move and, and tucked the puck home, and everybody was like, holy cow, this guy, what a move. Now, I'm told from uh, a couple guys that I know and one's a Swedish scout, that may have been his highlight of the entire season. Okay. Uh, and there's a bit of, well, he's been living off that moment all year. Wow. Now, he, he was also MVP of the World U18, which is fairly noteworthy. That same scout told me uh, that, or another scout told me that he had talked to the same scout I was just referring to, the Swedish guy who had texted him and said, uh, you know, MVP, WTF, question mark, like... Didn't agree with it. Exactly. Um, So, take that for what it's worth, but um, I I like Broberg for what he is, a big, uh, really mobile defenseman. I'm told he skates a bit with blinders on, he's got the puck, he's not really looking to pass it, and if he is, he's not a great playmaker. So he's looking to drive to the net all the time. I wonder how that translates uh, to the next level and if he's maybe a bit one-dimensional.
0: All right. Well, you know, do you agree um, with the fact that, you know, they left some pretty skilled forwards on the table yep. to take this defenseman? I,
3: I agree with that uh, completely. I would not have oh, okay, made okay. that pick. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I, so I you would have
0: went with one of the forwards?
3: Yeah. I would have taken Zegers probably, if not Matthew Boldy, um, and I'm a fan of Peyton Krebs as well. and And... Cole Caulfield, has scored, he's had 72 goals this year, Dino. The his next closest guy was, was
0: 51. His U18s was incredible.
3: Ridiculous. Man. And yes, he played on basically an all-star team, but you give him talented guys around him and he's already shown what he can do. So I was a bit surprised that he lasted all the way to 15. Yeah. He's, you know, you can fit him in your back pocket.
0: Yeah. But you know what? You and I, one time on the air, on the pipeline show, laughed about Johnny Gaudreau trying to make it in the NHL in his first season and how he was going to be for sure in the AHL and this, that. And,
3: we're just like yeah. egg on our face for, yeah. for how many years for that? Well, so, cause he, he looks like he's 14 still. <laughs> right.
0: But that's, that's where like, you know, shame on teams that say he's too small anymore. Yeah. You know, listen, if you're too small and you're slow, then you're probably going to have a problem. Uh, but if you're too small and you skate pretty good and, and your, your hands are ridiculous. yeah, Who cares?
3: Yeah. Saw a video of him this year. Caulfield scored a goal. His butt was basically against the boards in the corner. He banked it off the back of the goalie's head and in. It's, just, <laughs> it's ridiculous.
0: Uh, so what about day two for the Edmonton Oilers?
3: Uh, well, I was interested because I was on the air for day one, and one of the questions I was asked was uh, about um, Europeans. And for me, and we've talked about this before, if I'm Edmonton, if I'm a small market team in a, not a not New York or L.A. or don't have a, a beach... Uh, It might be hard... We have an accidental beach. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's right. It might be hard to attract guys. Um, So for me, the draft is all about reducing risk as much as possible. So if I have a guy and there's a European I like, but there's a North American I like basically just as much, I'm going with the North American because I know the North American isn't growing up dreaming about playing in the Czech Republic or playing in the KHL. He's willing to put in two or three years in the American Hockey League to realize his NHL dream. guy from Russia... Well, he's comfortable playing in Russia. That's his homeland. He's going to get paid just as much or more there than he will in the American Hockey League. So for me, it's about cutting down risk. I have no problem about with acquiring a guy via trade to play on my NHL team who is a European from another NHL team because that guy's already shown the commitment. But for me, I, I'm I sound like Don Cherry, but yeah, I'm, I was just going to say that's a little Don. Cherry. I'm not drafting Europeans with rare exceptions, like first round guys probably will, but second, third, fourth round depth guys, I, I probably don't go with the Euros. Now, I will say I'm intrigued by some of the uh, the guys that the Oilers did pick, the two Czechs, both playing in North America, so that it's a bit of a spin on it, but some good numbers there. The goaltenders put up good numbers, not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm intrigued by some of their guys.
0: He's an older goaltender too, right? Yeah, he's 20. Yeah. So, and he's in the KHL?
3: That's right, and I think he was rookie of the year.
0: All right, so four years, three point five million dollar deal for him, right out of the (laughs) bat for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, There you go, good job. It fits right in. So I I was thinking that you were going to go the opposite. Actually, as you were saying that whole spiel about the Europeans, I was thinking you were going to say, "I'm going to draft a guy from like northern Sweden who knows uh, what cold is like, and when he comes Uh here, he's going to be adjusted." And blah blah. blah. That's what I thought you were going. But a guy that listen. I grew up in Manitoba. You uh-huh. grew up in uh, Cold Lake. Yeah. It's freezing in the wintertime. I'm not thinking I want to go live in another cold marketplace. I want to go to the beach. Like, yeah. like I think when when September comes around, I really start thinking how do I buy a condo in Arizona? Like that's that's yeah. where my mind goes. So, I, but that's where I thought you were well, wrong. But it doesn't make a lot of sense because flip you flip it up, around. I, yeah, flip
3: yeah, exactly. it around. If if the biggest, if I mean the NHL is the best pro league in the in the world, but if it was. The best pro league in the world was the KHL, and that's where all the money was. Would you want to go live in uh, Yaroslavl, or would you prefer to be in Saint Petersburg or something like that? You know.
0: Yeah, that's it's a good point. That's why we have you on, Keith Flaming, <laughs> from the uh, Pipeline Show. Okay, <laughs> I want to ask you about the Winnipeg Jets. Okay, they deal Drake Jacob Truba to the Rangers for Neil Pionk, who, by the way. I actually looked at picking up in one of my fantasy leagues early last year. So okay. there, there was an offensive component early to Neil Pionk in the NHL last year. He, I don't think he's going to be a, as uh, as good as Jacob Truba. But no, they send him. He is a right-handed defenseman, so at least they get that. And then they get their pick back that they traded to get Kevin Hayes. And they take uh, Vili Hainola. Do you think it made sense for them to make the trade with Truba considering, you know, he wanted to go somewhere else. And mm-hmm. he talked about his uh, his wife's uh, medical career being one of them. And, I, and listen, I, I don't begrudge a guy wanting to go somewhere, especially an American player. Yep. I grew up in Manitoba. I know what uh, Winnipeg <laughs> could seem like to an American exactly. player. Listen, I know that. But do you think it was worth it overall, considering the player they took? Uh,
3: the problem is that you're trading not... It's not a hockey trade. It's it's a financial trade. It's a business trade. It is, exactly. So, I mean, Truba basically was holding the cards. He had, what, one more year left to go, and then he was going to be UFA, and so Winnipeg knows he's not going to re-sign. They've already gone through that whole bitter contract dispute the last time. So they really had their hands tied. They had to do it, uh, and they've made the best of what they could do. Uh, and Hainel is a, a decent player. He's a, he was the power play quarterback for Finland in, at the World Junior Championship. So there's there's potential there. You know I'm a big Jacob Truba guy. If I he, know he was my guy that year. I would have I, I would have arguably taken him first overall. By you know if I was the Oilers, I would have traded back to do it. But and I still think he's the best defenseman from that draft uh, that draft year. Um, and I think he's going to do really well in with the Rangers.
0: Yeah, I I, I like Jacob Truba a lot. Uh, he, he you know, I don't know if he's ever uh, put up offensive numbers to make people happy, but his overall game, I, I think is uh, he. I think he's got a lot of the yep. uh, the package. He's but
3: never it, been the number one guy in Winnipeg. That's true. They've always though, yeah. had Buff.
0: Yeah, there's always been guys, and you know, Buffalo and Tyler
3: and... Myers, and so.
0: Okay, so we talked briefly about the Coyotes moving up two spots to take uh, Victor Soderstrom. And and I like the analogy as, you know, maybe they got itchy, but you look at it, they could have taken him where they were. That's the uh, the classic, uh, you know, kind of like Russian roulette of uh-huh. uh, of the draft is like are you confident? Like yeah. as is John Chaika confident that these this defenseman isn't going to be taken in one of these next two picks yeah. and you gotta have the cojones to be able to make that call, whether it's it's like Yarmo and yep. gambling at the deadline, and comes in with what th- it's like three picks or something. So yeah, it's the draft Russian roulette kind of thing. Do you wait or do you pull the trigger?
3: If you have the confidence in your scouting staff, and you hire these guys to do a job. You go with what they tell you. It's and quite often, I mean, a lot of people say, "Well, that GM, he he knows how to draft." It's not the GM that's doing. He the knows draft. how to listen. Yeah. I mean, he makes the final decision. And
0: some GMs don't listen to their draft in Edmonton 2012.
3: (laughs) Yes, you're right. Um, So, uh, listen, I I mean, Steve Eisman taking more insider at at six because his staff is telling me he's the guy. Uh, And the Oilers, too, with Broberg, obviously. And, I mean, Broberg was... But that's
0: refreshing, though, that the GM says, listen, you have been paid to do this. I have, whether it's Ken Holland coming in and saying yeah, Bob, I I trust you. Or it's Steve Eiserman coming in and saying, yep. uh, is it uh, not Draper, but uh, a former oh, Oiler. I forget the name uh, now in Detroit. The former Oiler that's there running their, uh, their scout. It's like saying, I believe in you. We're going to go with what you're saying instead of coming in and saying, listen, I'm a GM. I haven't seen half of these guys, but this is the guy we're taking.
3: Yeah, yeah. where it looks optically Eyebrow raising is when it's oh, you see all the rankings coming out with Bob McKenzie's rankings or Buttons or whoever Sam Cosentino's, and a guy like Broberg is mid teens and then the Oilers take him eighth. It's like okay, congratulations, you went you 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 weren't swayed by your opinion and uh, by anyone else's opinion, you went and got your guy. But on the other hand, it's like. Oh, you think you're smarter than everybody else? Yeah, it's kind of like way, there's right? some arrogance a little bit too. You're and, really
0: putting your your faith on the line with yeah, these
3: guys, right? Yeah, but that's what they're paid to do. So and that's way um, it should be. Yeah, you're right. Now, in the case of Arizona, yeah, they move up and they get Soderstrom, Philly moves back and they still get their guy in mm-hmm. Cam York, which so I'm both defensemen, them, right? right? So, it so that was a perfect well.
0: situation for Philly. Right. Uh in hindsight, you look and say, Oh, Arizona shouldn't have done that, but they don't know. They don't have a crystal ball. Right. But it, it certainly worked out perfectly for Philly. The Panthers take Spencer Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh the just the fourth goalie taken in the first round since twenty twelve. Um, you know, that that's when Vasilevsky went. So Spencer Knight goes thirteenth overall. I think this is good for them for, for one particularly, you know, obviously I th- a lot of people think he can be a very good goalie, but mm-hmm. this one reason I think hanging around Roberto Luongo for a few years, this year's training camp, you know, next year's training camp, whatever. And then he starts to take over at some point, hopefully Luongo, I don't know how much long. If even if Luongo plays two more years, that's two years of hanging out with who I think is a great mentor. Yeah. Like Roberto Luongo seems to handle the pressure of being a number one goalie pretty well. He got pretty a little well. bit testy during the 2011 Stanley Cup when everybody was calling Tim Thomas, the Messiah, and Mm. I don't blame him, but I think Roberto Luongo is a great guy for Spencer Knight to be mentored by and get to know and just bounce questions off and things like that. Uh, what do you think about the pick in general?
3: Uh, oh, I really like Spencer Knight. I, again, haven't seen him play a whole lot outside of on TV and things like that, but uh, had him on the show, hands down, best interview of all the, the class of 2019 guys that I had on this year, uh, he was fantastic. We, we've joked about, Yeah, you know, we talked to these 17-year-old kids and it sounds like it might be their dad. He's that kind of guy, <laughs> uh, really well-spoken. And um, everybody that I've heard talk about him and I've asked about, or seem to rave about him, and uh, there's lofty comparisons to to like Carey Price and things like that, and um, so expectations are going to be really high. But he's going to a proven school in BC, Boston College. They've turned out goaltenders uh, over the they're years.
0: They're a shutout factory. Absolutely. Like uh, I think Thatcher Demko had like nine, yeah, like ninety yeah, percent like of his year. wins. I think were shutouts, which yeah. is a total exaggeration, but it was crazy. Yeah. He was he was a shutout factory.
3: Yeah. So he's going to go there, and maybe it's only one year, maybe it's two. Um, uh, but, uh, I'm sure he's not there for three or four. Uh, and then he'll go to to Florida and maybe he's the guy who kind of comes in after Roberto Longo's done.
0: Yeah. And you know, the, the numbers are good. Um, you know, the, the guy it's Craig button, I had on a while ago and he actually talked about Spencer Knight as a possibility for the Oilers. because goes, if the Oilers took a goalie in the first round, it wouldn't, wouldn't bother me at all. Yeah. I think he would have thought maybe they would have traded back a little bit to, to do that. So, um, I think, listen, You can't have hard and fast rules. You can't say a goalie should never go in the first round. If you do that, you're eliminating potentially superstar goaltenders.
3: Yeah. Well, it's as dumb as saying you'd never draft a European because then you kind of after after Dalenpool
0: late in later rounds. You did clarify that. Okay, so you you mentioned Jacob Truba was one of your favorites. I remember yeah. Noah Hannifin was my favorite draft pick in his draft year. So who's your? Do you have a favorite draft pick this year? And and I think we base it. Well, I know I did more on the conversations that we would have yeah. with the player. As opposed to the you know, being the best player, because yeah. you really of the, like the yeah. personality. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Like some of the best players we talked to had terrible personalities, and that's just sure. a product of being 17 years old, yeah. right? Not every kid is Spencer Knight or Noah Hannifin, yeah. where they're. You know, light years ahead in maturity. So uh, I know he said he was your favorite interview. Is he your favorite prospect? Is he your favorite draft pick? Or what? what? He was
3: one of them. I, Peyton Krebs was a really good interview this year. This year, and he's a talented player at the top prospect game. He was he was the best guy on the ice, and it was good to see because with Kootni, no help at all, and he's he's trying to pull a boulder up a hill by himself, and getting to see him play with some talented guys was really great for him. Terrible news with the with the Achilles uh, for him. where He's going to be out, for, you know, first couple of months of the season, whatever it is. But um, so he's a guy that's easy to cheer for. Uh, Matthew Boldy from the U.S. program I was intrigued by because where everybody else, the the uber talented guys on the team were fairly small. He's not. He's like six two, and he skates really well. And it seemed like he was a bit of a mix between Dylan Cousins and Kirby Doc. Whereas Doc's the setup guy, Cousins is the shooter. Boldy's a bit of both. Um. So I like that about him. So there's a couple of guys that do.
0: Uh, you mentioned the the Kootenay Ice. So let's just quickly chat about you know what's going sure. to happen Winnipeg and uh, you know <laughs> uh, Matthew Savoy and and this whole that I had never heard of. Forty-three game? Is that what it is? Well, it. See, like, it's, what's it's, the deal? Go, what it's you, still not really me? been
3: clarified. It's, okay. The news came out, and and we'll give credit to Tyler Yamchuk, because he's the guy who who broke the story with that number that he's going to be allowed to play thirty-four games. Oh, thirty-four. I yeah, yeah. I haven't heard anybody say that that's confirmed true or not um just that he is he's going So why be... is
0: the WHL so silent on well, this?
3: That's a great question, Dino, because uh, I would have if I was uh, another team, I'd be a little interested to see uh, how this uh, has all come to how fruition. How do I get my guy his 34 Exactly. Games. And the whole situation where they own uh, rink hockey academy in Winnipeg, the that's right. the uh, uh the, what is the group that owns the the ice? Uh, true, not true. true north. No, but, uh, uh, north I, I know who you're talking about. Minus yeah. fifty below, or whatever they're called, <laughs> something like that. They own uh, the ice. They own uh, a junior A team there as well, or a midget uh, team, and uh, the Rink Hockey Academy. So they've got their own little farm system there. You, this could be precedent setting, where there'll be other teams looking to acquire, uh, you know, hockey. Yeah, but you academies. still have to
0: draft those players.
3: You do, but you, you still- can funnel all your guys to that one team. And then, you know, if it's in Edmonton's backyard, I mean, Dylan Gunther is a good example. He did play eight games for the Oil Kings last year because he's easy to call up. He's right here. Um, so, so other you're teams saying can do that too.
0: You take all the kids that you've drafted and put them on this midget team in Winnipeg and then just call them up and, and like each guy gets their five games and you got like uh, 15 guys. Well, for, see what is see what you're talking about?
3: What Winnipeg's going to do, the Winnipeg Ice, instead of having a 25-man roster, they're going to have like 21. So anytime they need to call somebody up, we got a guy right in our backyard. We can call up Matthew Savoy. So where is he going to play the other games? Well, he's going to play with the Rink Hockey Academy. and But it's he's going to end up playing like 40, 50 games with, in the WHL because he's going to be on emergency recall all and the time. And his
0: brother is owned by the – his rights are owned by the Winnipeg Ice yes, too? Yes,
3: but he's already said he's going to continue to go to Denver.
0: All right, so – this is interesting. I think, and this is just my personal opinion, and I and just from what I've read, I think that when they looked at the conditional status mm-hmm. with Hockey Canada, and there were the uh, comments about uh, you know depending on where you know you know who but kind of who has the draft, will we'll, we'll kind of make our decision. It sounded to me like there was a little bit of draft manipulation. I think if that wasn't there, maybe Hockey Canada would have been. Yeah, sure. But if you say to a, a, a hockey, uh, can, hockey Canada, like, hey, we are going to uh, apply for status, but we're not 100% sure we're going to play in your league. Right. Why are they going to do it? Yeah.
3: Well, that's, I think Does that's that make exactly sense? what it was. Okay. Um, that's my own conspiracy theory that I'm subscribing to as well, because I think the plan for them was, and I haven't talked to the Savoys or, or anything, so this is just my theory, is. Uh, Carter's going to play for Sherwood Park again this year. That's the older yep. brother. I think the hope was that Matthew would be granted exceptional status so that he could also play in for junior the Sherwood Park Crusaders.
0: But they don't do that, right? Well,
3: Hockey Canada is going to say, if you're exceptional, you're not playing anywhere except the Canadian, the major junior yeah. hockey league.
0: If you're that good, you got to play in the best league.
3: Yeah. So that's where I think they're kind of make the WHL almost trying to help them out a little bit, but I don't know that they're actually changing a rule. I think it's just the Winnipeg ice have found a loophole that they're going to be able to exploit.
0: I can't wait to uh, find this out. And I can't wait to watch uh, Matthew Savoy. Yeah. And, and and as you, you'll get to see with uh, Winnipeg and uh, when they come through town as yeah. uh, the color analyst for the Oil Kings. So that, that'll be uh, exciting times. And, and, and I think it's exciting for Manitoba in general to have two WHL teams. And I think yeah. for teams as well to... Not to have to make that because uh, it's four hours from Regina, so you're at Regina, and you're like, okay, we could head back west, but we got to go for another four hours to play one game in Brandon. Well, yeah. now it's six hours, two games, certainly makes it easier. Last one, want to go back to the draft? Are you surprised the the price the Devils had to pay for PK Subban was so little?
3: Uh, on the surface, yeah, because and again, like the Truba deal, it's not a hockey trade; it's a it's a business trade, it's a salary cap and, trade. And right? uh, um, Marlo, Patrick Marlo, that trade as well. I mean, it's a first not, round pick. Yeah. It's not like the Leafs got a great return. Did they get a sixth round pick? The
0: sixth round pick, <laughs> and they had to throw in a conditional first yeah, round. Yeah.
3: So I mean, it's it's a heavy price teams are paying for bad contracts, and I don't know that PK Subban's was a bad contract. It's just it's they're under cap contract, Yeah, trouble now in Nashville. So they had to- And they're trying they to get, get, get Matt get Duchesne,
0: right? So they're like, just like Toronto has to sign Mitch Marner and, yeah. and uh, Kapanen and Janssen. They have to try and lure Matt Duchesne. Well, the only way you're going to do that is move out cap room. But uh, yeah. the Edmonton Oilers going into July 1st, You've got to move out some money if yeah. you want to bring somebody in. It's just the, the you know, and there's people that are saying the salary cap isn't good. I wouldn't go that far. I just think guys have to manage it better.
3: Yeah, uh, I think so too. It's it's just hard. I think it's almost to the point now where it, it was like there were no trades for a long time. Now nah, we might start seeing a lot more trades because it's become a young league and the younger players are getting paid so much more so much quicker um, that the veteran players who still make a lot of money... There's just not room for everybody, so we might see a lot more parity salary-wise as well. This in the in the NHL.
0: All right, so we've come through the draft, and uh, a massive amount of work that you do has been done. It's uh, put your feet <laughs> up yeah. and relax time, or what do you got? Yeah. What do, you know? What do I remember in the summer and, and you know, I've kind of, uh, taken that idea a little bit from you where we brought guys in studio and yeah. I had, you know, Jordan Martinuck in studio and I've, uh, spoken to that guy's Jersey up there, Tyler Ennis about coming out here Good. and, you know, that we had Colton Pareko, which was awesome. awesome. So what what you. Albert guy, maybe an hour, get him. Yeah, yeah. Bring the cup, bring the cup. I know <laughs> exactly. you I like, I know you have 24 hours at the cup. Can you bring it here for three? <laughs> Out of those twenty-four hours, um, uh, but anyway, what's the what's on? T- what do you do in the summertime now? Uh, that's yep. different than what we did when we were on the air.
3: Well, July is really the only down month, and come August, you've got the the U twenty summer showcase and the 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 Helenka Gretzky Cup now, uh, and uh, training camps open up in at the end of August. So August is pretty much business as usual. July is the the one down month where you try to get a little bit creative and, and maybe. Um, you know, talk to league commissioners or something like that and um, maybe catch up with some guys who, you know, basically we only talk to prospects on the Pipeline Show. Maybe right. we talk to some of those guys that we've had in Those studio. are the best stories too, and, right? And kind of reflect on what their career has been like and when they look back at their junior career, what it was like. The whole lawsuit issue with the with major juniors is still ongoing. The Spent-
0: WHL has a giant banner yeah. on their website now regarding that. Yeah.
3: I mean, I spent the last two summers talking to former WHL players and get their opinion on the whole situation, and could do that again this summer. It just seems like it's rehashing everything uh, every year, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where that story goes.
0: Please tell me you do not uh, you've blocked that CHL guy.
3: I have but he just keeps coming back with new accounts. Seriously? Yeah. Oh,
0: I'm so glad that guy leaves me in alone and me and my swinger wife can get back to our uh-huh. swinger ways and yeah. I bring that up because he physically tweeted that me and my wife were swingers.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah. I know. I, I like, remember all of what that. What the
0: hell is that guy? So I'm glad you've blocked that guy. I'm yeah. sorry he keeps popping up like whack-a-mole but uh, maybe does. someday he'll go away. Gee, this has been a lot of fun. We yeah, we me haven't too. done this in, in a long time. We'll have to do it again. Um, I don't have any uh, chocolate uh, popcorn treats to oh, offer you today, bad. like the one time when I was at your place and <laughs> your uh, lovely daughter and son. So what was it? They made popcorn marshmallow chocolate for us Yeah, or they
3: they made popcorn and then they added mini marshmallows, the colorful rainbow-ish <laughs> yeah, tried, ones, yeah. and then poured chocolate sauce over the top <laughs> and brought it to us all proudly. I hope you
0: enjoyed it that it's day. Because like, oh, you, you, as a dad, you should have ate yeah, it and that said was, this was
3: really good. It was wonderful.
0: Gee, thanks for coming out to, to Podcast Alley and uh, have a great summer. Uh,
3: for lots of fun, Dino.
1: It was the best of times. Yep.
2: It was the worst of times. <laughs> this is Best or Worst.
0: Best or Worst is a segment where I'm going to tell you uh, either the best of something or the worst of something that I've experienced in my life and feel free. I would love to uh, hear from you by the way, actually right now, could you do me a favor? Get on Twitter, tweet at duck Millard and uh, tell me where you're listening from. Love to find out where all the people tuning in to uh, sports and more are listening from. If you're in Canada, the United States, uh, you know, we have a big following shout out to Slovakia. Love, uh, loved Czechoslovakian hockey. And I love uh, Slovakia and the uh, hockey, they always seem to have uh, so much fun at the World Juniors I've been to. So, uh, get me on Twitter at Duck Millard and uh, tell me where you're listening from. Uh, but, best or worst is uh, something where I'll tell you the best or the worst about something I've experienced. But, I'd like to hear from you as well. Uh, you could email me sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That's sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. And you could tell me the best. Or the worst of something that's happened to you. Of of obviously the you know the worst is we're having tongue in cheek. Uh, there's been some uh, pretty terrible things that people have gone through, but uh, we're we're keeping it light. So the best story or the worst story, and uh, for this one, I'm going with uh, the best. I flipped a coin. Uh, it worked for me on the weekend. I was at Pod Summit in Calgary, and it was awesome. Uh, it's gonna t- I'm going to talk about it uh, a little bit more later on, but there was a, uh, a, a heads or tails contest. And so you stood up and you bet heads or tails and uh, whoever bet heads and it was heads, uh, they move on. So I start with heads, then heads, and then I was going to go heads again. And the guy flipping dropped the coin and I'm like, uh, I can't switch now. It would look like I was uh, maybe cheating or so. I stick with heads. And I move on. So now I'm like definitely going with tails. And there's like a seven of us left. I was the only guy to go with tails. I won and I ended up winning a, a year's worth of transistor FM service, which is, uh, what I use to host podcast alley. It's an awesome website. Uh, we're actually going to, uh, get Justin from transistor, uh, on this program to talk about podcasting a little bit. Cause I know there's a lot of people that have an interest in that. So anyway, uh, that's what I do. I flip a coin for best and worst, uh, came up with best today. So I'm with the best hole of golf I've ever had. And don't worry, I'm not being cocky because wait till you hear about the worst hole of golf I've ever had uh, down the road. But the best is uh, the golf hole at Millwood's number eight. Millwood's Golf Course and Resort. Um, it's a short par five, the eighth hole. Uh, you tee off back into some trees. You got to... Uh, you know, you aim at uh, the, uh, the middle of the fairway, but you got to watch out because the uh, bush and a little bit of a uh, pond juts out from the left. So uh, sometimes you have to take a uh, further approach depending on uh, what you're, uh, if you're a slice or a hook guy. Anyway, uh, it's 442 yards from the whites. T shot, I knotted down the middle, uh, just uh, to the um, right of the uh, middle of the fairway. Uh, so I was in a pretty good spot, and fairways are always beautiful out there. It's uh, one of the best maintained golf courses in the city of Edmonton. Left me about a hundred and sixty yards or so, hundred between a hundred and fifty and hundred and sixty yards, and uh, I grabbed a four iron, just intending it, try to get it to the green in two. This is when I thought I could do this uh, in my golf days, and I hit it really well. Like I flushed the four iron. It's it it is not only did it uh, turn out to be the best golf shot of my life, it felt like the best golf shot I've ever had in my life. Like if you play golf or maybe it's baseball or any sport, you've always had that one shot that you're like, that was it. That was perfect. Whether it was my swing, my tempo, the contact, whatever. That was it. Uh, we have baseball players on the Prospects Baseball Show talking about, you know, you, that one time where you see the ball perfectly and you hit it and you know it, that's what this shot was. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, good. I uh, Let's go. I, let's go to the uh, next uh, guy's ball and uh, whatever, because I just thought I hit that really well. I'm probably going to be close to the green and probably on, and you know, I can uh, try uh, uh, for an eagle. One of the guys I was playing with, was J.J. Uh, Hebert, uh, formerly with the uh, Edmonton Oilers. And he says, I think that's good. I think that's in. And I'm laughing, and we drive up there, looked for the ball a bit, couldn't find it. One guy checked the hole, and there it was uh, an Albatross. I never saw it because I'd go in, uh, but uh, they did. Also, Patrick Garland and uh, James McGregor uh, with the Oilers were with me as well. And it was amazing to just uh, sit back and think, I did that. I didn't see it, but I did it. And it was, uh, ridiculous. I, I would love to have seen it. I've seen some hole in ones before. And actually I was with, uh, Cliff Harris, uh, a camera guy that I worked with at, uh, global television and my brother, Derek, uh, the 15th hole at Millwood's and Cliff made an albatross on that par five. And I also, uh, unfortunately did not see that one either. Uh, but, uh, my albatross, uh, it counted. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know where the ball is. You can ask my wife, Trish. where where that is because that's a bit of a different story so that is best or worst best golf hole ever this is a bit of a new segment uh, where we uh, talk about uh, different kind of goalies on Goalie Geek Out accompanied by Pele and uh, the song you're hearing is uh, Pele by Sweet Bejesus. That is the official band of Sports or More. Kevin Dabbs and Christian Gutzis form Sweet Bejesus. You can find their music on Apple Music. And uh, check it out. They have some really cool stuff. And this is Pele. It's about the late, great Pele Limberg, And it's fitting when we're talking about goalie geek out. Uh, and this is a segment where I talk about a goalie that I liked, goalie that I didn't. Most of it is from my childhood. Like, we've done um, Grant Fear and Andy Moog, and I was, I was an Andy Moog guy my whole life, so I was always mad when Grant Fear would play in Winnipeg when I would go watch him. That's why I didn't like Grant Fear as a kid. Love Grant Fear now, met him a number of times. He's a wonderful gentleman. The two goalies I'm talking about today, one I love to this day, and uh, one I'm not a big fan of, and Roberto Luongo is the guy that I love. I, I love his personality, love his play on the ice. Uh, you know, I love his uh, personality on Twitter. He's one of the funniest at uh, Strombone1, if you don't know uh, his uh, Twitter account. He is awesome. He's self-deprecating. He doesn't take it too seriously. He, he seems to handle the pressures of being a number one goalie really, really well. Uh, the only time that he really didn't look good in a situation was 2011 when he was facing the Boston Bruins. And that brings me to the goalie that I don't really like, Tim Thomas. Uh, first of all, I hate the mask. It's terrible. It's awful. The only guy that could ever get away with wearing a mask like that was Dominic Hasek. And Tim Thomas seemed to play to try to play a little bit of like Dominic Hasek, so maybe that's why he did it. But it's terrible. It's gross. I, I, I just don't like masks like that. Uh, I loved the old helmet spider cage that, you know, that Grant Fuhrer, or that Andy Mo came in, and I loved the old mask that Grant Fuhrer used to wear. I have a replica on, uh, just to the right of me right now, here in the marsh in Podcast Alley, Um, but the cage, like I have an old Windwell helmet with the actual cage that looked like the the Dominic Hassock helmet. Those are not good. The only guy that could pull it off was Hassock. so Tim Thomas should have got a better helmet. That's first. That's the first of all. He seemed really cocky. And, uh, you know, listen, this guy had a good backstory. He worked hard to, to get to where he was, but he just really seemed to have a chip on his shoulder. And, and maybe that's how he got there. And, and you know, I, I guess, uh, what, what, what should I say? It motivated him to uh, win some Vesnas and a Stanley Cup championship. But he didn't like the 2011 Stanley Cup where it was Thomas and Luongo. And, like, you know, like Roberto Luongo, got, he could have sued for uh, non-support for the rest of the Canucks because he got zero offensive uh, support. And maybe it's the American-Canadian thing in me, too, that uh, I didn't like Thomas because he was an American. I don't know. But I love Luongo, and I didn't like Thomas. Don't really, to this day. Um, so, you know, I listen, I don't agree with Tim Thomas and his politics, but I can't say I don't like Tim Thomas because he wouldn't go to, to the White House to see Obama. Uh, when I support LeBron James and uh, Steph Curry and anybody else that doesn't want to go see Trump, that's as far as I'll get politically, because I don't want this to be about Tim Thomas's politics that I don't like, even though I don't uh, agree with them. Um, I didn't really like his, uh, uh, I thought he was always out of control, didn't like the mask, and I thought he was really cocky. And mostly probably because I was a Luongo fan. I had Luongo for like 10 years in fantasy hockey, so I really grew to watch a lot of his games. And I really like him. So uh, that's goalie geek out. Um, it might be a stupid reason, but that's why I love Roberto Luongo and not a big fan of Tim Thomas. Harry's Discount Sex Shop. We're at the corner of libido and cleavage. Kidding. First of May. Come down, see me. Ask for Harry. I'm the guy with a snake on his face.
2: I love you. From SCTV to the big screen.
3: <laughs> wow. <laughs> John Candy was a comedic legend. Buck melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. Oh, oh, that
0: feels good. Oh, God, I'm telling you, my dogs are barking today. We
3: now celebrate another great John Candy character.
0: I like me.
2: My wife likes me. My customers like me, because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get.
0: Best part about uh, celebrating another John Candy character is that I get to watch some more John Candy movies that I haven't seen in a long time or or even haven't seen. And I hadn't seen this one. And I don't know why I never did, because it was the last one that he did. And we're talking about Wagons East today. He plays the character of James Harlow, uh, the last film that John Candy acted in. Uh, In fact, he passed away at the age of 43 on March 4th, 1994, in Durango City, Mexico, during the filming and they used body doubles and actually reused a scene to finish the movie. And you should watch it and see if you can uh, see the scene that they reused. It was released five months after his death, did not do well at the uh, box office. And people say it's a shame that it was his final movie. And uh, it was uh, you know, a bad taste for some people because uh, some people called it a bomb. Uh, Canadian Bacon was filmed before Wagons East. It actually came out after Wagons East, and that is the last film released by John Candy, but Wagons East is the last movie he acted in. It also stars Richard Lewis and John C. McGinley as the main actors. And John Candy uh, first uh, shows up in a storm at a saloon. The uh, things have been going bad for the uh, people out west. Uh, They're looking for a sign to go back east and uh, they take it as a him. And then he promptly passes out when drinking. Uh, he doesn't eat meat when drinking. He doesn't use a map. He says he has it all in his head. And he doesn't get names right. But I know this land.
2: I just need a chance. It ain't about the money, I'll leave that to you. But you folks, you need a wagon master.
0: I found there's some pretty good slapstick moments. Um, they can't find the river. Uh, he falls off a cliff into it. Uh, then they cross the river and very dramatically only to find out there's a bridge. There's, uh, the stresses of the trip that, uh, take their toll and they have some kind of a therapy session. So there's some, uh, kind of some, some funny parts. Um, Harlow, uh, lets his horse choose a trail and he's convinced to use a map and he doesn't do, he doesn't like maps and he ends up taking them into Sioux territory. They camp right next to a a Sioux war camp. And so there's some funny scenes uh, between the wagon train and the Sioux warriors. Um, uh, One line is, uh, keep this gun for your health, which I found uh, quite funny. And uh, this is really kind of interesting and kind of poignant. Uh, One of the last lines ever by John Candy on film was, quote, we could go north to Canada. I hear it's warm all year long. And then he had one more line about uh, 20 seconds later in the movie, but that's one of the last lines. Uh, So a little ode to Canada in uh, honour of John Candy, and the movie, obviously, is dedicated to the memory of John Candy.
3: Wagons,
2: East! East!
0: Roly-poly,
2: baby, don't clench your teeth Be yourself and breathe deep
3: This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard.
2: So do not lie and do what's right. Always have humility. Do your best to succeed.
0: This is Fantasy Fun Time here on uh, Sports & More Podcast, and I bring in my good friend and uh, one of the many commissioners of leagues I am in, uh, Jamie Thomas, also a former roommate of mine uh, when we were... Uh, working to, uh, in the same city here in Edmonton. Uh, Jamie, thank you very much for, fan- for joining us uh, every week for Fantasy Fun Time. We are going to dive into the world of fantasy because you and I are both, uh, you know, uh, elbows deep into this. And and I guess we'll just start. Yes. Um, people know you from when you joined me on TSN 1260, from Jets TV, of course, and when you were on TV here uh, in Edmonton and that. But when did you start with fantasy sports? How did you get into fantasy sports?
1: Uh, I can remember exactly the time, Do you know, 1993, uh, was in Cochrane, Alberta at the time. It ripe 21 years old, came across a fantasy football magazine, Barry Sanders was on the cover it, and then I read it and I'm like, okay, let's do this. And I started, uh, the world professional fantasy football league in 1993 and it's uh, still going strong. But, uh, obviously, uh, back in those days I used pencil and paper and had to wait till the box scores came out on Monday in the newspaper. Remember those days? Yeah.
0: That's, uh, you know what the amazing thing about that is, is that's the league I am in with you right now. I did not know it started in my grad year. And, um, you know, like yes. in, in, in high school, we you know how we found out what was going on in the NHL? We would go to the library and read the hockey news whenever the big stats came out on the, the Tuesday. And, and it's interesting. We have the internet now. I started in 97, my first year in broadcasting. We all got a fantasy league. And that was back then. You would yeah. literally phone a guy and say, "Let's talk about," it. and you'd negotiate a trade. Now it's texting, <laughs> and you you do all the uh, messaging on the website, which is great for a lot of stuff. But I do miss some of the actual conversations. You and I do that a little bit on texting when we trade, but the the art of that has been lost a
1: little bit with the internet. No, especially and now we can just send offers. Before, yeah, it was. Then there wasn't many trades, you know, in our early time uh, in the '90s into the early 2000s. But uh, I'd have to like keep it. I. I the reason why you don't remember or know the league WPFL uh, started in t- 1993, there was a a fire at the uh, at the league office, and we lost all our league <laughs> records. So I had such a re- I had to restart things in 2011. But the truth is, I had all the stats in uh, uh, you know our, our um, fact and media guides. Yeah. And when I moved to Toronto, I I lost them. So I lost all our our league stats and uh, records from 1993 till 2010. So I had to start all over again. So, uh, lots of guys have won championships that are no longer uh, factual anymore because the league has reset. It was like actually, it's WPFL. 2.0 because those all those things are gone in a box somewhere that i misplaced or probably threw out when i was trying to move
0: see that's the the uh, dangers of moving east you should uh, it's good that yeah. you're back west here and uh, working for jets <laughs> yeah. tv uh okay so let's dive into the and nhl
1: keep track of my media guide. <laughs> that's right yeah, sure uh
0: jack hughes goes first overall <laughs> in vancouver in our league it was capo caco mm-hmm. who went first in their rookie draft and it was mentioned actually by uh Cliff Harris, I know you don't like hearing that name yeah. because uh, you, nobody wants to trade with yeah, Cliffy. the fantasy devil. Yeah, but he was saying whoever was number two was also going to take Kako first overall if if they had the first overall pick. So depending on your league, why do you think Kako, uh, Kako goes first in our league?
1: Uh, I, the only thing I can think of, and, uh, and it's odd to me because this, this draft in 2019 is eerily similar to 2019 when you have an American-born center, uh, going, looking to be first overall in Austin Matthews and then a finished winger in Patrick line. And now you're going at it again. Now, Jack Hughes is not the size of, uh, Austin Matthews. I think it's just the wing and that he played against men for a significant period and had success. So from a fantasy perspective, do you expect him to produce more? Cause he's already had that opportunity to go against guys that are stronger than him. Uh, unlike Jack Hughes is normally playing against junior size, you know, junior age players and not to take anything away from Jack Hughes. Cause he's an incredible talent. Uh, shattered all of Austin Matthews, uh, United States national team development program records, So I think he's heading in the right direction. I, I don't know. I'm still going Jack Hughes. If I, if I'm, if I was, I was going to try and trade it in first overall, and that's who I would have picked, but I capital CACO is certainly a one B in this situation. So the only thing I can think of uh, where Dustin Nielsen is going with this is the fact that he, that Kapulcako has already had success against men uh, in the uh, Finnish elite league uh, overseas. So that's the only thing I can think of. But I think Jack Hughes is going to be just as good. And maybe we're just so we're, there's so many good centermen in our fantasy league. Uh, maybe the wingers is another direction that he wants to go in.
0: Or the fact that he just has a man crush on Finns. I mean, he loves yeah. Koivu. He loves every Finn out there. So <laughs> that is, listen, if, if you're telling me I have a choice between a former Brandon Weeking and a U.S. national development team, I'm taking the Brandon Weeking. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I have I have a bias yeah. towards that. So that also yeah. plays in it. Dustin Nielsen has a major man crush on Finns.
1: Oh, uh, that's why he was following capo cackle everywhere on the weekend. That's <laughs> what uh, uh, That explains everything on Thursday on the yacht, why <laughs> Dustin Nielsen was right beside capital cackle the whole time.
0: Yeah. He's trying to get, uh, you know, uh, like photo ops for his fantasy team and things yeah. like that marketing. Yeah. Um, how about a uh, free for agency? media guide? Yeah, exactly. When we head into free agency this July 1st and the, uh, you know, the, the, The pre July 1st tampering is going on right now. And then, you know, Tyler Myers, a member of the Jets, is uh, visiting teams and things like that. How does free agency play into fantasy draft strategy for you? Uh, Does it, or are you just like best player available in fantasy?
1: I'm pretty much best player available, but you can't argue with, okay, so Tyler Myers leaves the Winnipeg Jets and goes into the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, to me, automatically becomes one of their top power play guys. Mm-hmm. So, And then top four minutes. Whereas in Winnipeg last year, he wasn't getting top four minutes unless there was injury. So it was a little further down the depth chart. So that changes your thought process into how much ice time he's going to get and how much power play time he's going to get. But most of the time, you're taking best guy available. Also, right-handed shot defensemen on your power player are very hard to find in the National Hockey League, guys, showing by how much money is being spent on said players, too. So, guys, so you have to pay attention to that as well. Uh, to me, it's all about power play time, power play time, and more power play time. So if they're if he's going to be on the first unit, that changes my thought process. But the way our, with our league, anyways, you know, it's not often you need. More than five guys, and most of the best players are gone after the first two rounds, anyway. So you have to think best player available at that time.
0: Yeah, the way I look at it is, and, and that's a great example with Tyler Myers. Uh, like, okay, let's use Artemi Artemi Panarin as an example. You know, if the rumors are Absolutely. true that he where, where maybe he goes to Florida and play with barkoff or maybe he goes to Colorado and plays with McKinnon and, and Rantanen, it, I don't think that matters as much. You're taking Artemi Panarin whether he's playing in Florida. Colorado, back in Columbus, wherever. He is a stud, and, and that doesn't – in it's a bonus if he gets to play with McKinnon and Rantanen, but it doesn't affect it. – you're taking yeah. him
1: regardless where wherever he signs, right? Exactly, yeah. And, then, I mean, he's an incredibly talented player, and, again, first power play line minutes, doesn't matter where he's going to go in – you know, you're already looking at Joel Quenville. You also have to take a coaches in consideration too nowadays right. and how their style of play plays into things. So that's, uh, I saw that on NHL.com the other day. They had six of the newest head coaches and their philosophies and how it affects players um, uh, fantasy-wise too. And, you know, Elaine Vigneault is going to have a positive impact on, you know, Provorov and uh, hopefully Shane Goss is there with the Philadelphia Flyers because those are two players that severely under achieved a year ago in philadelphia so you think that would be uh something that's going to improve right away and i think elaine Vigneault is going to fix that as well and he's, he, his teams have been known to have very good power plays so again that also lays them in in the in the hands of Gossis Bear and Provorov as well for the Philadelphia Flyers.
0: This is fantasy fun time. I'm Dean Millard. He's Jamie Thomas, uh, a fantasy veteran since 1993 and a commissioner of several different leagues. We'll get to your commissioner story a little later because you have probably uh, you know, a thousand of them, but a uh, trillion. Yeah, let's move to uh let's move to fantasy football and focus on the National Football League. When does your fantasy football draft prep start? We've already had our rookie draft. When do you start prepping for the free agency draft?
1: Well, I think about now because training camps are about to start and usually most teams are reporting on how depth charts are going to play out and and to me I haven't you haven't seen anything except there's a lot of change in the depth chart of where guys think they're going to get outside of injuries in training camp or the Russell Wilson situation in Seattle right Russell Wilson came out of nowhere in Seattle he wasn't the guy that was supposed to be the starting quarterback uh, in his rookie year and it turned out to be different so you, you do have to pay attention but most times the beat writers have a good grasp and the fantasy writers out there have an excellent grasp on who's going to go where and who's going to dominate right so it's a uh, you have to see what, to me, what running backs are available. And then you, and you look at those and you work your way down. Uh, If you need a quarterback or year after year, it looks like you have to get excited and pick Patrick Mahomes in the first round, but no, because there, there's 16 teams in our league, you know, and if you don't have a running back, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. So you can have, although the guy that had Patrick Mahomes last year won our league with him uh, single handedly, but that doesn't happen very often. So I, I just, I, There are so many teams that are bad in our fantasy league because they don't have any running backs or their one guy gets hurt and then it's pretty much downhill from there. So uh, I'm, I'm always looking now to prepare for it because so many things happen in the five weeks leading up to training camp. And then you get a good idea as soon as you're looking for guys to see if they're going to get hurt or the the depth chart changes. And to me, that doesn't happen very often.
0: Well, you and I did some uh, running back swaps during our rookie draft, and that's why I wanted to go to next. What rookie do you think will have the biggest impact in this year's fantasy? You know, you look back at last year to guys like uh, Saquon Barkley or Sony Michelle or Philip Lindsay. You know, who's the guy that you think will have the biggest impact in fantasy this year as a rookie?
1: Well, I think he's he's in your backyard, my friend your Oakland Raiders running back soon to be Vegas golden Knights. So I think uh, Jacobs is going to have a tremendous, first off he didn't, I think this is where he's going to excel. He didn't carry the load at Alabama. So to me, he's not going to be worn down by college football and he's going to be fresh coming into this year. Uh, Also a lot to prove uh, you have John Gruden running things for a second consecutive year with his guys. Now that he's completely overhauled the rosters to me, uh, you cannot go wrong uh, with the running back, Josh Jacobs in uh, Oakland this year. That's the guy I think is going to dominate. And David Montgomery has another uh, good chance because the depth chart is kind of iffy in Chicago right now. So David Montgomery is a running back that I traded for later in the first round uh, in our draft. So those two players to me are are, uh, one, two, I think, in fantasy production. And then that's where they're going to – that's where you have to go one and two, if you're going for uh, rookie backs this this off season.
0: All right, let's go to sport number three, and this is uh, I don't do. I have done basketball before. I'm not sure. I might have to I, get, yeah. I might have to get back into basketball if we're going to do this segment. I'm not really sure, but we do baseball, <laughs> we, and
3: we have to start now. Yeah, it's well, about
0: research. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm um, sure my
1: wife's going to love another fantasy lead. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh yeah, Trish
0: is really thrilled we that were I'm single, spending we more money. Yeah, exactly. We might be single by the time uh, we end fantasy too. Um fantasy baseball. Do you I think love it's... to
1: get food, honey, but I got to pay the dues. Yeah. Do you think it's the hardest
0: <laughs> of all the sports because the, oh. the, there's so many positions?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they, and there's so many players, right? All you gotta do is look at the at the uh, first year rookie draft in, in at Major League Baseball and how many rounds there are, and those are the guys you gotta keep track of. And uh, we've added uh, ten roster or eight roster spots for rookies in our uh, fantasy league uh, in the GWNBL, which has uh, made research that much more important. There's a guy that we just picked up this year, Steve Godkin. He's like, you gotta do everyday fantasy baseball. I'm like, I can't. No I don't have the time. I can't. I mean, he hes I don't know how he has the time because he's got a full-time job. I work with him at True North and uh, he's got two kids. So his wife must be a lot more understanding than mine. But uh, I think fantasy baseball by far is the hardest. Uh, relievers to me are like kickers. You have no idea how they're going to pre- perform every year and just so many positions. And if you have extra, if you have a utility fielder uh, and, and so and the like, I just think there's so much going on. There's so many players and the season is so long that it's really hard to stay invested and i'm the commissioner so i have to but if i was just an average uh, owner i don't think i'd be very good because how uh, much you have to pay attention and i think that's why my team suffers every year because i'm so busy paying attention to the league and what everybody else is doing uh that's my, my fantasy baseball consistently suffers in that department so to me outside of fantasy basketball because i don't know of those three um baseballs at the, at the top of the list of di- being the most difficult to pay attention to and be really good at
0: yeah, you and I are struggling right now. We're we're last oh. and second last in our division, and I'm, I'm torn between: do I just try to sneak in, um, in fourth and, yeah. and try to make a run, or do I rebuild? Because I had really big hopes for this year. I, you know, made the Kershaw trade with you. I went all out and got uh, some guys from the from uh, Steve's team that you were mentioning. And here's the two things that held me back: Kershaw was hurt, and Dallas Keuchel didn't have a team. So two of my five starters. Weren't on the shelf, and in baseball, if you find behind, fall behind, bad early, say goodnight, you're done.
1: Oh, it's and uh, although with because we're cut back to twelve teams in our league now from fourteen, still the same amount of teams make it, but there's an opportunity to get in even if you're having a bad year. I think I'm only like twelve games out of a playoff spot right now, so I'm the same as you. I'm trying to decide what to do. Uh, but I think, and I'm starting. Uh, you may, as the same as me, starting to get lots of offers on your good players. Oh, Justin uh, Verlander he, gets he asked thinks,
0: for every day now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that this is the time, to me, where you could probably get back a lot of your picks. That I mean, not right now, but when it gets closer to July, uh, which we are getting into about mid-July, I think teams will start getting more desperate because I'm getting lots of offers right now, but I know for a fact they're only going to get sweeter as we get closer to the deadline. So I'm not trading right now because before – I'm making those deals. I, I'm 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 twelve games out of first place. I'm like screw this. This goes. This is going sideways. And we added categories in our league, you know, this year, so that there's four extra wins every week to to add to your list. So if you have a eleven and one week, all of a sudden you're back in the picture. So you never that's know. True. So that's another thing that uh, has made our our league better. So it's made it hard, but I'm holding on because there's lots of teams asking about Kirby Yates, the uh, relief pitcher from the San Diego Padres, on my roster right now, and nobody's getting him until I'm good and out of the picture.
0: Well, the one thing you you mentioned is about the categories we added. And one of the categories we added is quality starts. And I would encourage every league out there to add that statistical category because – it gives you, you know, your pitcher could go seven and uh, then his defense blows up behind him, uh, but he still gets a quality start.
1: Yeah, if you had R.A. Dickey, uh, you know, back when we back in the day and we had quality starts, it would be a much different story because R.A. Dickey always gave you a quality start. Now he may not get you the win. Uh, Clayton Kershaw last year wasn't getting a whole lot of offensive right. support, so the quality start would have helped you out in that, or me out in that department. And uh, so I think it's it's been a great addition. I like it better than wins. I think wins are too easy to figure out or uh, and too many times you get ripped off. It's like when someone uh, vultures one of your touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like in, in fantasy football too. So uh, the quality start is, uh, is a great addition, I think, to anybody's fantasy league if they don't already have it in baseball.
0: All right. Commissioner story is how we'll wrap this uh, segment each week, and listen. I was a commissioner uh, for just one year. Last year, when we <laughs> had the uh, the uh, league with uh, TSN twelve sixty, and then the, I lost my job and I disbanded the league. But uh, I could not stand oh, being a commissioner. I could not stand being a commissioner. Like the stuff that people ask you that is on the website already. I was like, go read the website. Go read. Oh. It's all on there. So give me give me a commissioner story because you've been a commissioner for a long time in a lot of different leagues. You got a bunch of stories.
1: Well the best one I always have is the same time of year is how many guys can we uh, protect that question every single year. And again, I've had that fantasy football league since 1996, majority of the guys or 93 and majority of the guys in our league have been in with me at least since 2000. So every year it's the same people asking me year after year, uh, the same question, how many uh, quarterbacks are we allowed to have, how many running backs, and how many wide receivers? And on top of that, don't you get – and this is another thing, and lots of the commissioners are going to know this. It's the same guys every year that don't pay. Every time, and you have to keep phoning them all. Yeah, it's the same people, and you go, you, I, you give them two months warning ahead of time. Hey, man, listen, fantasy uh, football's up. You got to give me that hundred bucks in. Uh, you're always late, so I'm trying to give you a heads up here. I'm going to take away draft picks this year if you don't. And then they keep doing it. You get excuse like, oh, my wife just had a baby. Uh, I don't have a lot of time. Like you realize it's electronic banking nowadays. You just go on your phone. You don't while have to mail it to me. Sleeping, <laughs> and then another guy told me. His wife is locking down the funds right now. And I'm like, buddy, it's a hundred bucks. <laughs> How is she's locking down the funds? Like, Do you guys have a joint banking account? that <laughs> Tell her it was a hundred dollars you owed from two years ago or something. Yeah, Figure it out. There's bat. always a way. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, like locking My wife down is locking the funds. Down. <laughs> You always have a kitty for these types of things. Do you think I like telling Desiree that I spend four hundred dollars a year on fantasy sports? No, especially when there's
0: there's (laughs) not a lot of money coming back in for victories. Right? Like if if you're, I haven't, I've never won.
1: Come back. I I haven't won anything since '94, '95. That's the last time I won. And I won fantasy baseball, but somebody else was running my team. Oh yeah, so at the time
0: I had taken a year off. I won. I won baseball <laughs> in one of our early didn't. years. Yeah, I did. I forgot about that. But yeah, yeah. You're right. like I haven't. That's the last time I won. I was in the final of our football, uh, and when Donovan McNabb was with the Eagles, that's the last time I think I got close to. Well, I got to the the other year, but it's it just. I have zero money coming back in on this, but you know, thankfully Trish isn't locking down the funds on me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that one, I got a million more, and I'll save some good ones, but the, I found that very funny when the guy said, my wife is locking down the funds for these types of things. So uh, that's. Uh, I'm sure lots of men and women out there uh, have had the most situation where the other, significant other does not understand your excitement over these types of things.
0: Jamie, it's been fun. We'll do it again next week. Okay, buddy. All the best. Oh, that's hot. <laughs> That's hot. What's
2: hot right now? Hansel. So hot right now. Hansel. Let's explore in Cool of the Week.
0: Very well. Where do I begin? So on Cool of the Week, I'm going with uh, an event I attended in Calgary over the weekend called Pod Summit. It's actually, it was Pod Summit 3. It's the third one they had. They've had it twice in Calgary, once in Edmonton. And it was uh, really, really awesome. Um, It was interesting. I'm very new at this podcast game after uh, being um, just working for a TV or a radio station and uh, having their guidelines. Now it's this brand new world of trying to figure it out. So it was fun. I got some ideas to hopefully make this show better. And if you are a podcaster out there, Make sure you look into uh, pod summit next year because you will learn a lot. Or if you're thinking of, of starting a podcast is there's a lot of people there that haven't started a podcast yet and they're trying to, to learn. And I, I, you know, it would have been great uh, for me. It's perfect timing. I started this a month ago and the, the pod summit came right then and I could, uh, you know, tweak what I need to tweak, but uh, it would be great for people who are wanting to start one out. So follow them on Twitter, at PodSummit, and um, I would uh, highly recommend checking it out. Uh, They had some great giveaways. They were giving away microphones and branding packages from uh, Heilman and Graphos. And uh, obviously, I mentioned earlier, I want a year-long subscription uh, or or year-long use of Transistor FM, where I host uh, all my podcasts. Uh, Check out Podcast Alley at DeanMillard.ca. You can check out this podcast, Prospect's Baseball Show, and the Cannabis 101 podcast so that's my cool of the week is that I I was the first thing I've uh, attended like that it felt great I met other people and uh, yeah podcasting is a lot of fun right now and uh, hopefully it grows and grows uh, into uh, something bigger and better maybe it's the uh, the new wave of media for sure the
2: tides out I'm in love with my lover this is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Zigzags, loose change, and a brand new diamond ring.
0: The bottom of a beach bag. All right, we'll wrap things up with the obscenely rich list. And I would love to hear from you what you would do if you were obscenely rich. That's what this is. Basically, if I won the lottery, like me and my dad would play this contest for hours when we would go on uh, road trips uh, when I was a kid. What would you do if you won the lottery? I'd do this. So that's, I have like these, like probably a thousand things I would do uh, from playing that game with my dad uh, as a kid. Uh, What you would do do if you won the lottery. So it's my obscenely rich list. And uh, I'm a big massage guy. I love uh, massage therapy. I have a perfect uh, massage therapist at uh, Urban Massage in uh, St. Albert. Her name is uh, Samantha. She's just wonderful. And I would get a massage three to four days a week if I was obscenely rich. Um, You know, I I guess you don't have to be like massive obscenely rich, but what I would do is I would have uh, three massage rooms. One of them would be a uh, couple's room in my uh, ranch that I'm going to build when I'm obscenely rich. So I would have my own private massage area. So I could just, I don't have to leave the house. I can get a massage at whatever time and uh you know guests coming in for the weekend oh you want a massage in the morning we could set that up things like that because i would also have a massage therapy clinic that uh, the massage therapists uh, would come out uh, for myself uh, my wife but the cool thing i would do is i would give free massages for uh, military police and paramedics because i think their jobs are so stressful they do not get paid enough so I would like to uh, give back. When I'm obscenely rich, I will give free massages to military, police, and paramedics and uh, have my own little private massage area at my house so that I can uh, book a massage at 6 p.m. and don't have to leave the house. If only I was obscenely rich. And that's going to wrap things up for uh, Sports & More on episode six. Uh, thank you so much to Gee Flaming for dropping by the marsh and uh, recording with me. Jamie Thomas, of course, of Jets TV. He'll join us for uh, Fantasy Fun Time every week. I had a lot of fun. Uh, please subscribe, review, uh, let me know what you think, and uh, give me a shout-out on Twitter, at Duck Millard. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Playtime is over.
2: In the-